Hi, you're listening to my mom, Cat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, this is Cat, and today we're chatting with Lisa Jo Baker from lisajobaker.com. Well, she's a blogger, an author, and the social media manager for Encourage.me. She's also a superhero, but we'll talk more about that in a bit. Now, in this episode, I'm actually sick, and apparently illness affects my ability to hit the record button, which explains why I missed the first five minutes of our conversation. Lame, I know. I'm so sorry about that. But we're going to jump in as Lisa Jo shares about her new book. So get ready. Here we go. Get to write for themselves. And basically anyone can publish, right? It's like you can self-publish. You just hit publish and there you go. You're a writer. And um, it was just so fun. It was like coming home to discover women I mean, everyone says this, right, about blogs. You discover people who are living stories similar to yours, and it's so encouraging. So I was like, hey, I could do that. That'd be fun. And um, so I started writing. And before I was at Lisa Joe Baker, I actually had another blog before that. Um, well, I used to be called The Gypsy Mama, and I recently changed it to Lisa Joe Baker. But even before that, I had another site where I kind of dabbled and tried to figure out the whole writing thing. And like a lot of moms, I did it in the fringe hours as my free therapy after mm-hmm. kids to bed, just kind of writing out my day and um, processing what it meant for me. And I think a lot of women go through that transition, right, where we become a mom and there's this whole sense of like trying to figure out your new identity. Like, who am I really? Um, I'm on the one hand, this woman who has a degree and felt like she was going to do X, Y, Z things. And now I spend my days, you know, (laughs) cleaning up after kids and doing the same repetitive Mm -hmm. tasks. Over and over, and even though I've always worked full time, there's still that that tension between who am I really? Like, is it my day job that defines me, or my motherhood? And um, so, blogging just became a way, really, to process what I was going through in that transition and how it's really it's holy work. And you know, my husband works in Washington D.C. and it's one of those cities that's highly driven and highly motivated. And believe me, like at a Capitol Hill mixer, when people ask you, so what do you do? And then you tell them that you're a mom. Mm. <laughs> it's like the least sexy answer <laughs> in that situation. And um, I'm kind of annoying in that way because I could answer, you know, I'm an attorney or I run a website or whatever. But I enjoy answering, you know, I'm a mom. I'm raising three human beings and, and Gauging that level of conversation. And I think um, there are a lot of dads who work on the Hill that if they were to trade with their wives would you know, be begging to go back to work in their office jobs because it's that intense. Mm-hmm. And so I love to talk to moms and encourage them how um, even before I started blogging, I would tell them, you know, I've worked in all these different jobs and I've worked for the UN and for corporate law firms and I've traveled all over the world. But I'm telling you, like raising three humans is the hardest work I have mm-hmm. ever ever done like going to work in an office is like a vacation like you go to the bathroom by yourself like there's nobody who wants you to give running commentary on what you're doing in there you know you get to like eat food (laughs) while it's still warm you have people who want to discuss meaningful things with you not watch another episode of the builder and i guess for me gives me a chance to say to women what i'm saying anyway to my friends but just you know to reach more women and say listen to me like what you're doing significant and meaningful and very hard you know let's not minimize that it's it's really hard so i love it i love that we get to from the comfort of our home connect with women all over the globe and basically cheer for them be one another's cheerleaders Mm -hmm. so have you always wanted 
to be a mom. I mean, you're so passionate about it. But was it something that you grew up and when you were little, you would just play dolls and you wanted to be a mom and you always wanted to stay home? Um, or was there something that made you passionate about it? Yeah, that's such a good question. I'm actually writing a whole book about this. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. As you know, I just signed yesterday with Tyndale House. Mm -hmm. Congratulations um, on that. No, it's kind of amazing to me still to think about it because I didn't dream of being a writer, but um, this is a story I seem to be unable to avoid. So I am writing the story about how no, the answer to your question is I did not want to be a mom. I, not at all. And my husband married me knowing on the condition I did not want to have children. <laughs> wow. Believe it or not. Yes. Um, when I was 18, my mom died. She died a week exactly after my 18th birthday and she had been sick for a long time. And I played mom in our house for about two and a half years. And um, I just decided it, it really wasn't something I wanted to do. And I was part of a community that really was quite strong in saying that if you weren't growing up planning to be a mother, you really weren't fulfilling the calling on your life. And I just said, no, I, I disagree with that. I am going to be a human rights lawyer. And I grew up in South Africa and I felt really called to be involved in human rights movement. And, and I really thought it was a choice, either or, either or, you know, either you be a mom and you check your brain at the door or you can change the world in significant ways. And I wasn't interested in giving up all the studying, changing the world I wanted to do. And um, what's so interesting is God is so patient with us. You know, he, <laughs> he was just patient with me. I never felt like he was mad at me and um, was like, you have to be a mom, even though a lot of other people seem to think so. And luckily he gave me a good man who was patient too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And um, Peter knew how I felt and was very excited about what I was studying and who I was going to be. Um, but God really pursued me gently over the next five years of our marriage until he brought me to a place through random and interesting things that happened where it was like he showed me motherhood wasn't this obligation. Instead, it was a gift. It was like he saved the best to last mm -hmm. for me. And I, I honestly believe he would love me the same whether I had kids or not. And so to anyone who's listening who doesn't have kids, I'm not saying that you have to have them to feel fulfilled in some way with God at all. I think he absolutely <clears throat> where we're at and he embraces who we are. And so whether I'd had kids or not, I think he would have been the same. But when I did end up getting to a place where I thought I wanted to have children. It was kind of like I felt him smiling and saying, see, I told you, I told you. It was just a good thing. It was a gift I wanted to give you. It wasn't a burden. So I'm writing this book. It's called Changed, Everything I Never Expected About Motherhood, about how I really didn't think I would have kids and then how now that I have had them, I think that's why I'm such a rabid cheerleader for moms because yeah. coming from that place to tell them that what they do is so significant and mm -hmm. meaningful and, and beautiful and um, just as important as any human rights work I ever did. And so the irony for me is that there are a lot of bloggers online who are involved in, you know, blogging trips overseas and sharing about human rights and justices. And I mean, I've done it myself. I went with compassion to Guatemala and I think it's wonderful. Um, and I worked in human rights for a long time. I was a legal specialist on a human anti-human trafficking team in Ukraine for the UN for two and a half years. And, but here's the irony. I feel like God called me out of that work, like out of ministering to one group of women and advocating for them and into this work of ministering and advocating for mothers. And mm -hmm. Never would have expected it in a 
million years. I think Jesus has a very unique sense of humor. Um, but it's so fulfilling for me because I think that the things that mothers here in you know suburban America struggle with are no less significant in God's eyes to those that they struggle with in Guatemala or Ghana or South Africa. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's been a privilege to be able to cheer for the women here who are struggling with what seem like really everyday things, but we all know that those have deeper soul heaviness to them. And so, yeah, that's, I guess, a long answer to a short question that, no, I did not expect I would become. And yet it has turned out to be one of the best job descriptions I've had so far. Well, you know, I just so connect with you and your story and your heart for it. And, you know, I don't know if it's that we're wired the same or that our stories are somewhat the same. You know, we, both of us having lost our moms, feel so much more passionate, I wonder, about being a mom because we know what a treasure it is. And um, yeah, and so I just so connect with the, you and your just your desire to be a cheerleader for mom, to, to give value to them and to encourage them. And I love that about you. I love the, uh, just all the little phrases that you use and all the ways that you encourage and on Twitter and on your blog and... <clears throat> How do you think, like for me, I know motherhood, I I didn't want to grow up wanting to be a mom either. Not that I specifically didn't want to, it just wasn't on my radar. I wanted to be a professional athlete or a musician or something, but never a mom. It just never popped into my head, never something that I thought about doing. But I have to say it has refined me and changed me more than anything else. I thought college was going to be the defining season in my life that really changed me, but motherhood Man, it has been just a tornado in my life for good, you know, and um, would you say it's the same for you? Would you say that motherhood, I guess, has sent you in a different direction than you thought, but it's the direction that you were made for? Not necessarily mothered in particular, but the, does this make any sense? Like the, for me, motherhood has sent me in a direction where I love motherhood and everything, but it's also brought into focus my giftings and my passions. I think for me, the way I've thought of it often is that I love how God gives us like living parables, you know, like he doesn't just tell, you know, Jesus told parables in scripture, but then he gives us real time ones. So he gives us marriage. Marriage is a really great living parable of what it looks like, you know, that relationship that Christ has with the church, how he loves us. But then he ups the ante and he gives us parenting, right? And you experience truths you've read about in a completely so motherhood has like radically altered me and my faith and my perception of Christ in ways I never could have expected. And I think it's really only when you become a parent that you realize how selfish we intrinsically mm-hmm. are. Like I like mm-hmm. sleep. Like I like it a lot. Like I like to stay up until two in the morning reading a good book and then sleep until 11. Like I like to just eat popcorn and hot chocolate for dinner and not have to worry about the nutritional needs of somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like, like these things, you know, like as much as I'm comfortable in a certain degree of chaos, I also like a certain degree of order. I like clean carpets, like, you know, <laughs> like, and motherhood suddenly says that there's somebody else who has all of these needs prioritized above your own. And it is just wretched in the beginning because it's so shocking to discover how your whole life can be unbalanced in that way. And so for me, 
motherhood has just been like a refining fire in some ways. Mm-hmm. Hold up a mirror to who I actually am and and then challenge me to lay those things down. And it's been so good and so hard. Mm-hmm. And yes, that way it has been defining. I mean, I don't know how it can't be. And I think there's a lot written about, you know, either you're a mommy blogger or you're sort of a serious theological thoughtful blogger. And I just think there's a disconnect there because to me, motherhood brings theology into living color in everyday life. Mm -hmm. There's nothing as humbling as a kid who's peaking at two in the morning when all you want to do is go back to sleep. I just think that is a laying down of your life in the most profound of ways. And so I feel like it's a mountain I'm willing to die on to keep talking about that to moms, how the things they think don't matter are some of the most radical acts of kingdom sacrifice. And we don't see them, you know, they happen behind closed doors and at two in the morning and moms keep them to themselves. And I just, I feel like we can't tell them enough that those acts of sacrifice are kingdom work. And so for me, that has been a shift, like a huge worldview shift. And I think how God sees the world, that the small things, the things we think of as small are not. Mm-hmm. Huge tabernacle moments um, reflecting him and his glory because they're so selfless. And um, and it teaches us, you know, why he would love us in that same way too, because of who he is, not because of who we are. And um, so, yeah, it's been radical for me. It's been, for me, gospel, like gospel mm-hmm. truth. I have The last chapter in my book is actually titled, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, For My Children Taught Me So. Mm, I love that. Yes, they have shown me gospel is learn in other ways you just you can't so yeah for me it's been a radical and life-changing um tsunami (laughs) but there doesn't seem to be any end to right because as soon as you think you have one thing figured out change again Mm -hmm. as they grow up so i mean i'm i'm just a newbie in many ways my oldest is only seven so we have ways to go still yeah your kids are pretty much the same age um separations i think as mine are uh so i was i was in your shoes not not all that long ago but it's amazing really from where you are right now it gets so much faster now yeah i think you're right because probably there's it helps that you're getting more sleep and so it feels like it's going by faster too Mm -hmm. And it becomes more regular life and less, you know, because pretty soon you're going to be out of diapers and babyish things. And then it's just like living life with these three miniature people and life can go at such a fast speed. Then they start, you know, getting involved in soccer and all the different activities. And it goes by so fast. And just this morning, my my eight year old crawled into bed with me and um, we were laying there and I just was struck with a desire to just really savor the moments, you know, in all their craziness and all their messiness, just wanting to embrace it. Cause I was looking at some pictures of them last night when they were little and <laughs> man, it seems like a long time ago, but at the same time, it seems like it was yesterday. And, you know, and you're almost to the age when, when my oldest turned eight, I was like, wow, no, when she turned nine, I'm sorry. So you have two more years. I real I was like she is halfway to college. I know it's fine when you think about it that. Way. And my seven year old is like he's a it's a boy seven going on thirteen. I feel like I'm like, <laughs> dude, 
back down the attitude. But your book, and I'm having him do push-ups now for attitude. But I don't. It's a reward. I mean, <laughs> does he like doing them? So much, yes. And he does taekwondo. He's been doing it for a year and a half. So he is like the skinniest ripped kid you've ever. <laughs> Sorry to me. He's so like he's really skinny, but he has like like an eight pack. I'm like, how is that possible on your tiny body? So he just is like, I'll be like, do five push ups. He's like, I can do ten. I can do twenty. And I'm like, all right, well, just keep doing them then. Whatever it takes to tire you out works for me. So, but we are doing it. I think it's fun. <laughs> I love it. My my son's the same way. I'll give him ten to do, it and he'll like go as long as he possibly can and see how many he can do. And I just love the little, the confidence that it builds into him because he'll finish and he'll look at me with these eyes like, mama, did you see how many I just did? And it'll, it just is an opportunity to lose the attitude. We forget about what the the issue was and any attitude problems are redirected into this little confidence and pride in the thing that he just accomplished. So it's fun to see that it works for other people too. Yeah, to redirect the attitude. That is mm -hmm. a good way to think of it. Because often that's what it is. It's not like he's done some terrible act. He's just got real attitude. And mm -hmm. so yeah, redirecting attitude, I'll keep that in mind. That's mm -hmm. good. That's good. Uh, so you work full time from home with three kids. Well, my I don't homeschool. Right, right. My, my two of them are in school during the day. And um, I have literally a super nanny. I mean, I don't know what I would do without her. If she ever left me, I would be heartbroken. But, um, yeah, she comes in from nine to one every day and she's with Zoe. So it's awesome because I'm here so I can see them and be with them. But she takes Zoe out on excursions. And I always tease my homeschool friends. I'm like, look, I homeschooled today. My kids recycling plant. They did this. Like, <laughs> so. Um, anyway, yeah, Tara is with um, Zoe during the days, and then Zoe still naps, so she sleeps from one to three. So I get you know a okay. big chunk of day to work in, um, which I really I couldn't do without because I mean I'm in conference calls and meetings, and I travel for work, and so it works out really well. And um, and then I of course I write in the fringe hours, I think as we all do in the early morning or the late evenings. So. Yeah, but I couldn't do it without help. I mean, I don't know any full-time working moms at home or out of the home that can because need a lot of attention and stimulation and all that good stuff too. So we are blessed to have Tara. I don't know what I would ever do if she leaves me. We treat her differently. And she's amazing. She does baking day with Zoe. Like they do bread. They make, she bakes bread. I'm now converted. Nice. To, this is my way of doing it. Like Tara makes it and we eat it. <laughs> that works. <laughs> yes, yes. So I have help. I mean, my husband's really amazing. Too. In the summers, the last two summers, he's a professor. So he's actually spent three days a week with the kids, all three of them. I was wondering what you do during the summer. Uh, yeah, he's amazing. And it's been really special because I don't know how long that will last, you know, how long he'll be able to keep doing that. But it's quite a memory for my kids, especially my boys to have. Mm these days like full days with dad where they plan activities and they hang out and um he's been full on mr mom during the summer so we've had tear i mean then my kids have summer camps that they go to and stuff too but my husband is pretty awesome so it's a team affair so when is your book due and how are you managing that with summer i mean it's not coming up i don't know how quickly you write a book but you know with the holidays coming up and writing a book and working full-time how do you 
how do you balance some of that? And what are some of the, I don't know, productivity things that you do to make sure that you're focused? Broke up, please. Sound like a woman. Okay, so you for a large portion of it, <laughs> you might need to again. Um, I broke up for a large portion of it. Yeah, you were okay. like a woman. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so you're working full time and writing a book. How are you getting all that done? Or how will you get all that done with the holidays coming up? And then with summer coming up, I know your husband stays home a little bit, but surely with all that you have on your plate, you have learned some things over the years to be focused and to get work done and not get distracted by Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, I do like me some Twitter, as you know. Um, I'm Lisa Jo Baker on Twitter. Feel free to tweet me. But yes, I think, you know, it's funny to me. It's like, I am more productive now that I have three children and I work full time than I ever was like mm. single. I think we learn, right? What, how to make the most of our time. We become really good at it. And I, um, I think when you have a burning passion, you develop a singular focus and you're able to just exclude other things. So I know that there are choices I have to make if I want to accomplish something. So I, you know, a year and a half ago, I didn't want to write a book. I, I had um, some publishers talk to me and I just was like, no, you're crazy. Like I have a newborn. I work full time. I'm planning this conference called In Real Life. There's no way. And then at the beginning of this year, I just felt a stirring about it again and thought, I just have this message for moms. I think I want to write about it more. And um, and then I have this, um, I thought for Mother's Day this year, it would be fun to just put together a free ebook for moms. So I, have, I put together a collection of 10 of my favorite posts and my friend Annie Barnett, who's incredibly talented, illustrated and formatted it for me. It's a little PDF. And so if you're on my site and you subscribe, you can get it for free. And that just kind of grew in me this thought, like, I think I have the story. Maybe I do want to tell a story. And then I have some pushy friends who are writers who were like, it's your book. <laughs> that was really, <laughs> um, but I really have to say, I felt like the Lord was like, let's do it. Let's write this book. And I was like, you're crazy. Like, when is that going to happen? Like, look at my life. I have three children. I work full time. I don't know when that's going to happen. And then I think I read or I heard our friend Tish from Simple Mom talk about how she uses to write the hours in the day nobody else is using. And so those are like at five in the morning. And I laughed and laughed. <laughs> that's that crazy, Tish. I could never do that. I am. So let me just say I'm not a morning person. Like my writing happens late at night. That's my preference. But the problem with late at night writing is it works for blog posts, but it's hard if you're trying to write more than that. That requires, I think, more attention and focus and mm -hmm. dig into your soul like a book. So I had thought that, um, you know, you have to write a book proposal first. So this was back in the summer. And um, I knew I'd have to write a book proposal if I was going to pitch this book. And um, it had to come with two chapters attached to it. So I needed to write those. And I felt like the Holy Spirit every night was like, go to bed early and let's get up and write this book. And for two weeks, I kid you not, I said no. Hulu <laughs> and watched like my favorite shows. And one night I felt like almost like I could hear the voice, like Lisa Joe, go to bed. And I said out loud to my living room, no, I'm watching Heart of Dixie tonight. <laughs> and then... 
Hey, I called my mother-in-law and was like, I think God wants me to write a book and I'm supposed to get up at five because it's the only time I have. You have to pray with me. Like, I need to know because she gets up very early because she's a teacher. So I'm like, if you're up at five and you text me, like, I need accountability else. It's not going to happen. And so that's what I did. I started getting up at five and writing from five to seven thirty in the morning before my kids would get up. And I'll just tell you, like, it wasn't like rainbows and fairies. Like, mm-hmm. it was hard I I'm not a morning person like I kind of feel nauseous when I get up that early <laughs> like like even if I go early I just I do not enjoy it but I enjoyed the writing very much and it was wonderful and I felt like God was there with me and I had something to say and I wanted to write it so that's how I wrote the proposal how many cups of coffee did it require for you to wake up and be coherent enough to write something because I don't think I could do that. What a, you get up, though. You're like one of those crazy hello mornings. Well, right? I do. I get up and I read and I write in a journal, but I don't write words for other people at five o'clock in the morning. I think it would, you know, I'd have like five words after an hour. Yeah, I, you know, I think because I know that's all I have out of mm. the day, my body was like, like my brain was so excited to have a place to dump words because mm. I there I have it you know it's like I just need the time to write it down and so those two and a half hours would go by really quick and I would I just wrote a ton like it came really fast and um that's the thing about writing a book I think you have to you have to have the book right it needs to be there you need to know what you want to write about and so I couldn't have done this a year and a half ago I didn't have a book then but I have one now and and it's so desperate to come out (laughs) it only has these few hours a day so um yeah I write in the early mornings and late at nights I my husband and I know if I'm going to do this he we have to be in it together so I write on and I take time out you know I go out to a coffee shop or somewhere away from the house to work I think it's amazing how much those boundaries those limits help us to create even more than we would have if we had all the time in the world I it's exactly true like Mm -hmm. Because I've really struggled with this this resentment, like what if I didn't have a job and I could just work, I could just write all day. But part of me knows if that's true, I kind of dabble in other things and I wouldn't be focused. And like when I have four or five hours, I write for all of them. Like mm-hmm. I anything else. I'm not connected to online. I just write. And I, it's because I'm like anxious and I know this is all I have. Like I have to be very focused. And I mean, then there's just a lot of things I say no to, you know, like I don't, I'm just, I'm just really careful about what I say yes to So it's kind of like you have to choose either I'm going to watch <laughs> tonight or I'm going to write, you know, like either I'm going to read a book or I'm going to write. There are just a lot of other things that get cut out. Yeah. And, I think that's part of the joy of finding something you feel called to. And right now I do. I, in this season, I feel called to tell the story and I love it. And it's part of the bigger picture of my job. I mean, in, in the terms of encourage, gives me the opportunity to encourage women in general. And this book gives me an opportunity to encourage the specific subset of mothers. So it's um, it speaks to what I do during my day job, too. And so for me, that's wonderful that there's that synthesis. So when is the book coming out? let's see so it's due in june next year and um that's the other thing i'm trying to pace myself because i'm just not i know i can't just cram it out you know in two months or something so i'm i'm trying to pace myself at a chapter a month six now so and this pace i should have one then i'd be done in june 
And, um, and then book publishing is so slow compared to eBooks, right? Or blogs. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't come out then until the following May, okay. March, May in 2014. So right in time for Mother's Day. Okay. Is that painful to invest so much into something and then have to wait for so long? No, I think it's good. For me, I think it'll be good to give it time to breathe. Mm. I think it'll like time to breathe and edit and then have time to market and share it, you know, and have time to talk about it and be excited about it too. So no, that feels good to me, especially because in April, as you know, I host, I help host this event called In Real Life, which Mm -hmm. is a global simulcast that women from all over the world participate in. And you're in it this year, Kat. And um, it's an opportunity to get women to tune in from wherever they are to a a webcast. This year we're talking about, it's always on the topic of community, because as women we know how important friendships are, but how it can be hard to find time for those. And this year the theme is the challenge to stay, whether it's in a friendship that's hard or a marriage or a community or a church, we'll be talking about that. So there's a global webcast women tune in for on the Friday from wherever you are. And then on the Saturday, women meet up with other local encouraged readers in their area and tune in together. So that goes live in April again this year. So by the end of June, I think I'll just be done for a while. (laughs) Nothing going on for a while. I think it's so wise of you to have paced yourself like that because I know for me it's my tendency to be excited about something and just want to get it done and go all in and be overly optimistic about how much I can do. And so I love that you're so wise about it. Uh, is that something that's normally comes to you or are you uh... – No. <laughs> this is just reality for me. Yeah. I mean if I wanted to write more chapters a month, I, I can't. Like I just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. So they run about 4,000 words each, and I'm writing blog posts at the same time and working. So even if I wanted to, I couldn't. And I have days when I want to. You know, I'm like, I wish I was writing right now and not going to the school production of whatever or involved with whatever after school activity I'm taking my son to. And that's just the, the life of a mom. So, yeah, I kind of love that I'm writing this book for mothers while I'm really in the midst of the reality of a lot of mothers' lives, you know, mm-hmm. balance kids and work and your passions and, and all of those things at the same time. So a month goes by really quickly and I start to feel like, oh my gosh, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? Well, I have this chapter done this month, but yeah, just slow and steady, just knowing I need to give myself enough of a window to get it done. So this is the most I've talked to anybody about it. It's kind of funny. I've been living in my own head with this book. <sighs> Well, I'm honored. I'm I'm excited about it. I'm a little sad about how long the process is. So maybe, you know, if you have any advanced copies, um, you'd be more than welcome to send them my way. Well, I will. <laughs> um, so we've talked about working. We've talked about blogging. Motherhood. What are, give me, give, give me one or two of the best motherhood books that you have read, if you can narrow it down. I know some people don't like favorites. I'm a big favorites person. So you don't have to say they're your favorites if you don't want I, to. I'm going to totally give a pitch for, I'm like, I, I'll tell you them too, but as a resource for readers, I actually have a tab on my blog called Books You Should Read that has some of my favorites there. And um, okay, so I have a few. I have one I'm in the middle of reading that I literally cannot say enough good things about. It is amazing. And maybe you've already read it. It's by Meg Meeker. She's a pediatrician slash therapist. And it's called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, 10 Secrets Every Father Should Know. I haven't read that. Sounds good. 
word. It's incredible. And I'm obviously not the father, but I'm raising a daughter now. And um, Pete and I, I just can't stop thinking about how incredible this book is. It's so fascinating. And I love it because it's not like, Dad, you have to change in all these ways. It's like, Dad, just the way you are, you need to engage with her more. Like, if mm. you like on cars, invite her to work on cars with you. Like, And it's so interesting because it talks about things like how as much as you invested in your three-year-old and loved and hugged on her, you need to do more for your 13-year-old. Mm. Like, hug her. like, she needs to feel your presence. So anyway, just fascinating, awesome book. Totally two thumbs up recommendation. Um, then my other one, I'll give you three, okay? Okay. The other one that has really just absolutely changed my parenting is called it's by Gary Thomas, and it's called Sacred Parenting, How Relationship Shapes Our Souls. I love this one because it's not about how your kids should be. The onus isn't on, like, how we shape our kids. It's on how parenting changes us. Mm-hmm. It's designed to change us. It's designed to break us and crush us and, and then put us back together in better ways. So I love it. And it's actually got a devotional as well with it, and I just cannot recommend it enough. Okay, third one that is on my nightstand all the time. I have two boys, so I've given you one for girls. Here's If you have boys, here's one for boys. Um, it's called Wild Things, The Art of Nurturing Boys by Stephen James. And it's phenomenal. I think a lot of boy moms have probably read it. But I love it. It's by two dads. They both have boys. They're therapists. Um, and they just, you know, I've read a lot of books trying to speak to how to raise boys. But I love this one because it really gets how boys need um, to aspire to things, you know, they need to aspire to challenges. And it has like an amazing chapter called Ritual Ceremonies and Rites of Passage. And it has, it's really changed how we parent our own boys. And it talks about how boys need milestones in their life that they can look back on and, you know, as markers for their own development and how as parents and especially the men in the family, you can help create those moments for them. And we did that when we were home in South Africa a year ago, my son Jackson was born in South Africa and we hadn't been back for years. And then we were home and he turned six while we were there. And my husband set up this just amazing day where he invited all the male relatives of our family to come out and spend the day with Jackson. And then he set up what he called an adventure walk for Jack because Jack is only six. So it had to be pretty (laughs) low key, (laughs) but he had different relatives staged at different parts of the route. So he dropped Jackson off. They pulled into the mall nearest to our house in the parking lot and like right near the steps that go up. And my brother was standing right at the top of the steps. So Peter could see him, but Jackson couldn't see him. And he said, okay, you need to go here, walk up these stairs. And when you get to the top, you will see someone, you know, and he will take you on the next stage of the journey. And so Jack didn't know what was going to happen. And he had to get out and walk up the stairs. And then my brother, Josh, was there and he walked him all through the mall. And then, you know, at the gate to our street, someone else was waiting for him and they played soccer down the street. And then they had to climb a hill and there was someone else waiting there. And, and each of the men then shared a word with him. Like one of them talked to him about friendship and friends. One of them talked to them about suffering. Like they each, but age appropriate, they each shared a lesson with him. And at the end, there's this big uh, mountain in the back of, not a mountain, I guess, a hill at the back of my parents' house. And so then all the men met up there and my dad was the last one. And then it's South Africa, so they each had rifles. Yeah. And up there was like a big target shoot exercise where Jackson got to shoot a rifle for the first time. And it was a big, 
big deal. It made a huge impression on him. And he talks about it to this day. So we got the idea from the book and we love it. We love it. I can't recommend it enough. So Wild Things, The Art of Nurturing Boys. That is amazing. It was informative. Micah is already talking about his, like when he turns six, are we going to do it for him? Like it's a huge deal. And they talk about 13 and 18 and 21 and um, how boys need to be able to look back on mile markers in their lives that their male friends and relatives were involved in. That man, I am going to have to get that book. That's really, that's incredible. And especially once they get older, I can't imagine, um, how much yeah. more meaningful it'll be to hear those words from the men in their lives. And wow. And it's really great because he talks about a single mom or if, you know, the dad has passed away or he has really great examples for like how to engage men in your church or your son's coaches or just that they need that. And so, and, and then they need the women to be involved at the end. So like after Jackson had had his moment up there on the hill with all the men and my dad had showed him pictures from the relatives in our family he's descended from and they had shot it. Jackson was the only one who shot a bullseye. It's hysterical. Oh, Wow. He actually, Peter laminated the whole target and wrote out the verses on it. And, and, um, so then they all came down, the men, you know, came down from the mountain (laughs) (laughs) and then all the women were there, like the aunts and sisters and grandmas. And we all had tea and cake and like a big celebration together. So yeah, it was formative for him. And for all of us, Pete talked about how much the men enjoyed it. Wow. I love that. Love that. Um, well, I want to honor your time. I know you have to go pretty soon, but I wanted to give you an opportunity um, just for the women listening, whether they're doing dishes or laundry or going for a run um, that are going to finish up and then go back to their kids and hang out with them. What? Just give them a word of encouragement, a word of hope. Um, just kind of do your thing and say a word to them and then we will wrap up. Oh, man, I know those moments where you're just standing there folding the laundry again, you know, it just feels like it will never end. And I think I was thinking about this the other day, like the part that makes you a hero isn't the loads of laundry that you do. It's the conversations that happen in between those loads. And so we do those loads of laundry because our kids need it to keep going, to have clothes for school. But we're available in the in-between moments for the conversations that need to be had and the ways we change and speak into their lives and encourage them by being there and by being available, you know. And as a mom, like you are a compass for your children. You're the true north. You are the story that they will tell when they walk into the future. And all of those everyday small bits and pieces of dishes and laundry and diapers and cleaning and carpool and homework. Oh, the homework. (laughs) I think they add up their little bits and pieces of a mosaic. And one day when our kids walk away from home to college or wherever they go, that will be the picture they see. That will be the picture of home. And so we build it slowly and the pieces are tiny, but I think the perspective at the end of the day is beautiful that we get to give them to take with them. So whether they appreciate it now, they will when they're grown up themselves And I just think what you do is remarkable. It's very important. And don't let anybody tell you different. What you do there is you are the you are the last line of defense for your kids between them and a world that is not kind to children these days. And so you are the walls of the castle, the moat. You are the last line of defense. You are the hero, the cape of goodwill, the hope in the eye of the storm. And what you do is significant. Hence the need for superhero capes, obviously. 
I love it. Man, you are eloquent. I, if you're listening to this, I promise you didn't have a script. We're just talking. <laughs> just talking. Can you tell I don't get to talk to other grownups too much during the day? <laughs> way too much to say. <laughs> no, I love it. I love, I love the way you weave words together. So good. Well, for all of you listening, I am talking to Lisa Jo Baker. She blogs at lisajobaker.com. Definitely check her out. She also tweets at, is it Lisa Jo Baker? Just that's your, okay, awesome. Well, Lisa Jo, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, I hope I get to chat with you again sometime. Oh, dude, I'm on Skype all day long. All just right. And everybody else, tweet me, write me, leave me a comment. I will be happy to send you personal encouragement. <laughs> I shall cheer for you. Awesome. Well, Lisa Joe, um, we will talk to you later and I hope you have an awesome day. I hope you have a great Christmas, Kat. I hope you guys have, hope you feel better and have some wonderful times. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Well, that's all we have for this episode of the Inspired to Action podcast, but you can check out all the shows and other resources, including free eBooks and prayer calendars at my blog at inspiredtoaction.com. And if you think this podcast would encourage other moms, I'd really appreciate it if you would take a minute to rate it in iTunes. But I just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your day to tune in. And I hope you've been encouraged and challenged and, well, you know, inspired to action. So don't forget that you are a mom. You're kind of a big deal. So go be awesome. Later. Later.